Hey everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of My First Sketch. I'm Josh Hyam. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcast, Google Play, or SoundCloud to get it automatically. If you like the Stitcher app, you can find it there as well. It would be really cool if you rate it five stars and leave a review on whatever platform you choose. Like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash myfirstsketch. Follow along on Twitter at myfirstsketch. Head to myfirstsketch.com where I'll post any videos we talk about in today's episode, any blog, any, you know, stuff's going to go there. Any questions, thoughts, recommendations, feel free to email me at josh at myfirstsketch.com and I'll get back to you in a timely fashion. This is the last week to submit your live act to Philly Sketch Fest. I made it easy. Just go to myfirstsketch.com slash apply or it's right there on the front page of phillysketchfest.com as well. You know, whatever. We'll kick off the festival with the fourth annual Sketch Comedy Film Festival. So if you have a short film or video sketch, go to myfirstsketch.com slash film. If you want to help us out, head to myfirstsketch.com slash volunteer to give us some information and we'll connect later. But we head back to Toronto this week because Toronto Sketchfest begins this weekend. Plenty of friends of the podcast will be performing like The Flat Earth, Success 5000, Patrick Wright's Sketches, John and Ian, Cameron Wiley, Carson Pinch, Her Beaver, Girlbrain, and so many other cool things are happening. I totally wish I was going as a fan of good comedy. Go to torontosketchfest.com for all the information you need. Today's guest, Toronto native, Lee Cameron, currently a member of the Bloody Marys and director of Generally Hospital. Her first sketch is called Sulk Break. Lee reads the role of Joanne, and I read the role of Anne. Let's go to the sketch. Well, thanks for lunch, Joanne. That was fun. Gummint? Oh, thank you. It's nice to get out of the office for a bit in the day. Refreshing. I better get back to my desk before they do a head count. Oh, yeah. Almost one o'clock. Time for my below bureau nap. Ooh, do you nap under your desk? I didn't know that. I've always wanted to try it. It's amazing. I'm so focused after, like a surgeon. I tell you now that I've started, I just can't live without it. Mm. Can't live without it. Well, you know there's something I've been trying? Oh, yeah? You know how the weather has been so bad this spring? It's really got me long in the mouth. I can hardly get out of bed in the morning. Right. Well, I've been taking some time on my mid-afternoon coffee break to sulk. Sulk breaks? I just pour myself a cup of coffee to go with my granola bar, and I sit in the corner of the staff room, and I go over all the rotten things about my day and how rough I really have it. Have a good brood. And if anybody asks what's wrong, I just sigh and say, nothing. Really? It's wonderful. I feel so grounded after. Since I started, I haven't been able to live without it. You know, I do something a little like that, too. I find I have trouble finding myself to air my griefs, too, you know? Hmm. Well, I may have told Dave and HR a little white lie and said that my mother is suffering from dementia. He referred me to the company therapist, and now I have an appointment once a week to get all those little things that are bugging me off my chest. Oh. It's really great. I feel so light after, like a plastic bag on the breeze. Now that I've started, I can't live without it. 
I've been writing destructive comments on my secretary's blog. She's so sad. It's so fun. I feel so young after it, like a baby, a little mean baby. I can't live without it. I steal little things from the janitor's lockers. Nothing too big, just subway tokens, pictures of their kids, their deodorant, stuff like that. But it's thrilling. I feel so flushed after. Like I felt during Twilight. I really can't stop now. I sneak into Dave's office when he takes his 10 a.m. washroom break and write sexually violent emails to myself from his computer. I've almost got a whole case worth. It's satisfying. I feel so accomplished after, like a doctor. Now that I've started, there's no point in starting. I've been blackmailing my intern, Matt, into fucking me every night in the the parking garage and then driving me home and singing me to sleep. He's so desperate not to lose his job. Graduates these days. It's so comforting. I feel so loved after, like my mother. Now that I've started, I can't go back to how I was. I take a coworker out for lunch. I arrive early and order two waters. Before she arrives, I pour two ounces of a slow-processing poison into her glass. After we've returned to work and go back to our desks, I wait 15 minutes for the poison to kick in. Then I sink into her office and I hold my cardigan over her mouth as she rides on the floor, muffling her hacking cough as her organs turn themselves inside out. Then I take my coffee break. It's so moving. I feel so empowered after. Now that I started, I'm going to keep doing it. Blackout. Hey, Lee. Hi. So tell me about this idea. Tell me about this sulk break idea. I'm trying to remember. I think it was... I think it was a combo of, you know what? I think it started because um, I was working, I was working, I was doing the conservatory program at Second City and there was someone in my group who loved to like really sulk and they'd just be like really, he'd brood for a long, long time and you'd be like, can we help? What's wrong? Kid, do you want to, do you want to contribute? And he'd be like, nothing, I'm fine. Uh and so some kind of combo in that and liking to take a nap after lunch. <laughs> <laughs> so this is definitely one of those ideas where you, you're pointing out something that annoys you in real life I think and taking a piss out of it. Started. I think I think that must be where it started. It doesn't really seem to be about that at all, but <laughs> No, it's but it's the jumping off point for sure, and then it goes super dark. Real classic. <laughs> <laughs> uh when when would you have written this? I think I wrote this in 2011. Okay. And you you said you were at the Second City Conservatory. Yeah. And I didn't write this for that. This I wrote for um, uh, Jenny Serwillow, who's a, who's a Toronto comedian. And I did, there's like a sketch competition called Sketch Comageddon. Uh, and that, okay. I think that was actually, this maybe actually the first sketch I've ever written. I wrote these like cool. plays in high school, but I don't think, which were maybe sketches, but I didn't really know that. <laughs> Like how long would they have been? I think they were like three page sketches. I mean, three pages. Okay. So pretch much a sketch. <laughs> but I was calling. Them Do you boys. have any of them? Are I they funny? Find them. I want to. Okay. People, like I was. I don't know where they are. They're like honestly on a floppy disk somewhere. Like that's how. <laughs> yeah, I actually uh, a lot of the stuff that I wrote in high school are on floppy disks too. And I actually went to Amazon and I bought like a floppy di- like a USB plug in floppy disk reader. Oh. And the discs that I thought were the like the the gems, the things I really wanted, were all damaged. Oh no! And unreadable. So I was just so bummed. I think I have them printed in a binder somewhere because I got good marks on them. 
Nice. That was the, yeah, when I, when I, you know, thought of this idea of doing this kind of show, I knew I had my first sketch somewhere. I just had to go digging through boxes and binders and I eventually did find mine, but like it helps being a pack rack every once in a while. Yeah. I don't know. I've, I don't, I, I gotta search my parents' house, I guess. That was, yeah, that was my tip too, was going to my parents' house. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned uh, the Second City Conservatory, in, and I'm assuming that's the Toronto one. Yeah, it's the Toronto one. Um, is that your first step into doing comedy? Yeah, it is. I think I did. I'd done like improv for about a year before I wrote this. Okay. This is my first, the first sketch thing I did. So you go through the Second City class system. Yeah, I went through the, yeah, I'm a. Uh, any instructors that, that that worked out for you? Like any instructors that you want to call out as a good job or the experiences that you had in that class, in that school? Uh, who were my favorite instructors? Um, Frank McAnulty is a big one that everybody loves. Uh, he, he like got me my, he gave me a lot of legs up later. Like he got me my agent essentially. Uh, oh, nice. He was a nice guy. <laughs> we we had some different opinions when we were writing sketch, but uh, he was, he, uh, how so? Like, what were your like? What were the differences of he, when you were writing? He really wanted us to write about real estate tax. <laughs> we had this huge argument where my whole class was like, "We're not going to write about real estate tax," and he's like, "It's important." <laughs> it was, what? It was very funny. I think he was having something with like his house at the time. He's since passed away. He, uh, but he had he was like arguing with his his neighbor about like landline like like the board property borders okay he'd have his work on this because uh because in second city you do um the style is you write a premise and then you theoretically like improvise it Mm -hmm. over over again until you have your finished product yeah so he had written the premise for us and we were improvising (laughs) so (laughs) so you sure wanted you to improvise about real estate tax yeah yeah and i i like and you saying that like i i think immediately that a comedy class like that is going to be full of younger people that have no experience yeah i think i was like 20 any form of real estate tax Yeah, none of us like like i was one of the (laughs) oldest people at 26 i think like 30 It was very funny. But he also, like, when I was in that class, we, we we set up a weekly show. And he, like, completely on his own volition, not being paid, would come to our show, like, every week at this, like, dinky bar that no one else would be at. Mm. Give us notes after. So, you know, he was, like, very committed. As much as he drove me crazy, he also, like, like, I didn't even, I didn't understand at the time how much of his own time he was putting into it. Now that I'm a teacher, I'm like, sure. I would never do that. Not in a million years. Uh, sure. So uh, I guess he's the one who sticks out. Okay. Um, oh, and I mean, you're going. She was I'm sorry. And I also had Jennifer Goodhue, uh, who was um, my improv teacher at the very beginning, and she like she was like really strict, and I think that gave us a lot of like didn't let us get a away. strict improv teacher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very very strict. That sounds a little oxymoron like a bit of an oxymoron (laughs) um so was comedy always what you wanted to do 
No, I think I wanted to be an actor, but I didn't want to admit it because I thought people would be like, but you're not very good. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, but it's always been some kind of performance. You've that that's always been the goal, like yeah. growing up. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. So the brief um, what's your earliest? Scientist. I'm sorry. <laughs> Briefly, I was like, maybe I should be a forensic scientist, and then, but I didn't do it. But, but that's just because CSI was on TV, and exactly. <laughs> I wonder, like. It's weird. Like, I completely i've I've never seen a full episode of CSI, but like i I don't understand how they're so popular. Like, yeah, that's a tangent, though. So no, 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 I totally didn't. <laughs> what it's like? It, it, I find okay because I love I love murder mysteries, and I my personal, mm-hmm. um like my flavor is uh like British those cozy British ones, and I, I read all the Agatha Christie's that kind of vibe. So I like watch mystery. Okay, and for me, it's like the same the the fact that it's always the same is so comforting and i wonder- i think that yeah i think that's what it is for sure but it's weird that they're like i find comfort in people murdering sex workers in las vegas <laughs> yeah like um because i've always had this argument with my parents because they watch ncis religiously that's like one of their tv shows for sure and i'm just like do you not realize how awful this is like how grisly how bloody and every like and just because the the good guy wins in the end that's okay like that doesn't make sense to me yeah well i i feel like i sympathize with them i love that i can't help i love the gory stuff i think the only reason i don't like csi is because i find the like writing too annoying but like the mm. but that you also you yes every single day i could watch murders all day all the time oh like the killing or something that one that one's got problems too but that one called the killing. The fall. <laughs> the fall. I didn't watch the killing, although the killing. Did you watch Maybe the, the killing's just a younger, ver- younger person's version of CSI. Yeah. <laughs> if you look at the demographics of everything. Yeah, they're like it's it's cooler. <laughs> so, what was your like earliest memory of comedy then? Uh, of doing it or like watching it. Or... Of watching it. Watching it. Um, okay. Like, what was your what was the first thing that you were like on TV that you're like, oh, this is. This is special, like to me. I sound like I'm like really bra- bragging. I think because <laughs> my dad, my dad made us watch Marcus Brothers movies as a kid. Uh, sure, okay. First, like black and white movie. Also, I was like black and white. No, that's boring. And then uh, I liked, I loved the Marcus Brothers movies. Um, mm-hmm. Most of my comedy stuff comes from my dad showing us things. I think that's a pretty fair. Uh, it's not a cliche, but that that's a. That's oh, you know, almost you know, that's pretty close to universal. Yeah. <laughs> when your parents is like, watch this. Yeah. So yeah. I think those were my first my first loves. Uh Harpo, Harpo Marx, my first my first love. <laughs> He's your favorite of the Marx of the Marx brothers? Those are my favorites. Um mm. Chico, I guess, is how I've learned it said. And I was like, I don't I never notice. I guess they don't those aren't their names in the movies. They have different names, like Dr. Horsefeather or whatever. Um Yeah. So the, yeah, those are my first, those are the first people that I was like, I love this specifically Harpo. Cause he's like, so he's like kind of a dick, but he's like so nice, <laughs> but everyone so like, like kind of loves him. He's so lovable. Um, you can just get away with so much stuff. So I think when I think about my own style, I'm like, I think there's a lot of that in there. Uh, of the lovable dick yeah lovable dick i think that's <laughs> where i like to live well well considering this first sketch you you murder your 
scene partner. Yeah, I have a real weakness for that. <laughs> Especially this, this one, like, I'm so, like, ooh, provocative. Especially <laughs> with the emails. <laughs> the, the, so what's the point of, like, watching stuff where you want to do it? Um, where that switch flicks and you're like, oh, maybe I can try this out for myself. I don't know. I did, um... I did, I did like plays when I was a kid and like drama camp and stuff, but I was also like so, so shy. So I didn't actually do much outside of like write things, write things. Um, and to try to be funny in my day to day life. Mm-hmm. I don't think I actually ever performed until like my second last year of high school and that's when we started to get to write stuff for ourselves and i think that's probably like i think oh that's i should find that um <laughs> <laughs> where we like we had i got to write like a monologue for myself that was it, now i realize it was like a comedy sketch mm-hmm. i think that's like the first um and and then i but i didn't really perform comedy for then like ages i was like or i'd do plays but i'd be like the comedic role in a play and then right uh in university they made my drama, my theater teachers made a sketch group and I was not. Okay. And I felt personally offended. And that's when I was like, maybe I will do this. <laughs> Cause I had not. Well, like, before. so you're not getting into the sketch group in college, but like, uh, or university as the Canadians say, uh, um, what's your introduction to sketch comedy? Like as a, a viewer. Um, Oh, kids in the hall, I guess. Mm. That's because it was on CBC. <laughs> yeah, there was a couple. That's probably that's probably the biggest one that comes out of Canada, ever. or at least in of this generation. Oh, all all generations. <laughs> well, you have SCTV in Ooh. the early oh, late seventies too, but yeah. yeah, that's true. SCTV. I've not watched. I haven't watched any CBTV. I haven't. I haven't watched a lot of it either because it's very hard to get the original series. I actually like last year I asked for like I know there's a bunch of DVDs on like available and I actually bought like the volume one of it and then I put it in and it's not like the original cast. What? It's, Who is it? It's when they actually come to America. Like so they do a couple years in Amer- in, in Canada mm-hmm. of like the original cast, but like Har- Harold Ramis, yeah. John Candy and all of them. And then a few few years later they come to America and do uh, a season like after Saturday Night Live, or like I don't remember if it was Saturday Friday nights or Saturday nights, but it's a you know there's a couple of new additions to the cast. I, I think Martin Short's already involved, and I was just like, this isn't what I wanted. I want it to go all the way back to the beginning. Yeah, I'll get this eventually, but this isn't volume one. This is volume like ten or eleven to me. Yeah, and you're cheating me out of the other <laughs> other seasons. The truth. Don't lie to I me. Was, I was so annoyed. I got to see um, you know that uh that thing's gonna come out on Netflix like the Martin Scorsese doc. Uh, yeah, were were you there? The show. Yeah, because Second City had like discount tickets for teachers, so they're the morning. Oh, that's there, fantastic! Laughing, we're all like just on the computers, being like fuck, 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 trying to buy them before the when they went on sale. Mm. Uh, I got to go, and that was really cool. Martin Short was at that one actually. I think he joined. Fuck, you know, I don't even know. I, I'm talking to my aunt. I, I think he was part of like season two or three or something. Like he, yeah, he's early enough that he's still, yeah, he counts. But like, I understand what you mean though. It's not like, <laughs> if they're not in like Winnipeg or wherever they're, I think they were right. In Winnipeg, which is it was 
Winnipeg or Edmonton or something. It was one of those weirdo West Coast cities. Yes. Somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. It wasn't oh. Toronto. Yeah. The, the one season wasn't definitely not in Toronto. Oh, gosh. No. Yeah. No. Uh, um, was- but yeah, Kids in the Hall. Okay. Right. Uh, so Kids in the Hall is probably like the major Canadian sketch comedy at that point, right? Like. I guess so. Like, like, I didn't see it on originally. Were- right. I mean, yeah. Because I think it was late 80s, early 90s, but like it it survived and it went, you know, reruns even down here in America. Like yeah, cool. it was on County Central every afternoon. And I actually I wasn't allowed to watch it because uh, my mom walked in on a sketch of the chicken lady <laughs> and she was offended. So TV went off. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Uh, I ask everybody. um when I talk to Canadians, because I've talked to a couple, um, is there something in Canadian pop culture that you would recommend to an American to, to hunt down? Especially comedy wise. I know. I can only think of like <laughs> historical dramas on TV. Wait, it's like, uh, Canadian culture that you should look up. Oh, oh I, need, I need to let this marinate for a second because my brain's just gone completely blank. Um, shoot <laughs> can i come back to it i can literally like the only my brain's just going road tevin lee say road tevin lee. <laughs> <laughs> comedy lee <laughs> uh well like so has american pop like have, has american comedy completely pervaded like canada to the point where like i know there is canadian comedy being made i know you know cbc uh what's a couple of there's like i think maybe the cave is a channel up there the cave I've never heard of Maybe that. not the cave. The cave. Um, uh, like we get like imports every once in a while. Like I know a bunch of the channels down here. I don't know if they actually call it like co-producing, but there's a bunch of like cop dramas. Oh yeah. Where because so that they wouldn't offend American viewers. They, they were never mentioned what city they were in, but it was clearly like Toronto or like Ottawa. To watch someone here, it's so bleak to be like, we can't even say the city name. <laughs> oh, Toronto! Fuck no, I'm not watching that. <laughs> yeah, and Americans like, oh, a, Tor- a Toronto cop drama? That's nothing. Yeah. Like nothing's gonna happen in that. I was listening to like, how did this get made? Mm-hmm. That podcast. Um, and- the little yes! the little Italy episode. Yeah. Yes, and I <laughs> so. <laughs> I was like, Lee, why are you mad? But you, I feel like we feel, I feel like like the little sibling where you are legitimately angry, but your anger will literally never be taken seriously. Uh, right. Pointless. <laughs> but I was like, of yeah. course we have a little Italy. <laughs> yeah. I was, it's stupid. I felt stupid. <laughs> but at the same time, like looking at the people that are in that movie, that doesn't like I mean Oh, that looks like a terrible movie. Emma Roberts and I didn't know that Hayden Christensen was still doing things like Yeah. Apparently. Um, yeah, that and that hair dye on him really does look like <laughs> boot black or whatever. Uh so uh all right, so we'll we'll start with that. Like Canadian I generally ask everyone who their favorite SNL Live cast member is. Okay, so here's the thing. I have very I have very little, embarrassingly little snl watching experience um sure i i i didn't watch it in high school i i only saw it like at people's houses uh Mm -hmm. so i my experience of it is like very small so i'm gonna give you an answer but please take it with a grain of salt (laughs) 
That's fine. <laughs> and it's going to be influenced by outside things. That's fine. Like it, it, it doesn't have to be because of their work on Saturday Night Live. Okay. Like, like you can, t- you uh, it definitely counts. Like I, Saturday Night, like SNL alumni, whatever you want to call it. Yes. Okay. Well, you know, I, I like Rachel Dratch a lot. Okay. Uh, and I and I like Maya Rudolph. Those are probably all the era too. Then I was like watching like in high school when I saw them. Sure. Uh, so I'll I'll say I'll say them. That's gonna be okay. <laughs> finally. But then. But then since you said about uh, Kids in the Hall, do you have a favorite Kids in the Hall? Ooh, always was changing. Uh, I think my favorite Kids in the Hall is probably Mark McKinney. Okay. And interesting that you picked the one person that that was also on Saturday Night Live. Never seen him on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, he did like two seasons yeah. in like the late 90s after Kids in the Hall left. I saw him. It was over. After hmm? here's my super Canadian experience. I was at uh, I watched the Olympics, the the Vancouver Olympics, when the Canadian hockey team um, beat the American hockey team, and okay. uh, out drinking drinking beers in a cafe, uh, and uh, went out on the street, and everyone was out on the street, and everyone was really excited, and I and I like ran like bodily into Mark McKinney, and I, and I nice, I, and he was filming the whole thing on his phone. <laughs> <laughs> Just enjoying the hockey v- victory too. That's why he's my favorite comedian. Perfectly fine. <laughs> no, I like I like a lot of his stuff. I also I also have a big Dave Foley soft spot because in high school, big crush. Really, oh, on Dave Foley? The wrong. Have you have you seen the wrong guy? Maybe that's a Canadian thing. No. Okay. No, that's like the, the his starring role, right? It is ridiculous. I like in a good way or in a bad way. I'm gonna say mixed. <laughs> it's so bizarre i highly recommend it. and like colm fior is in that colm fior i have no clue how to say that name either colm fior um yeah watch the wrong guy you know what that's your recommendation because i can't think of anything else right now and road to heavenly honestly you've got time <laughs> it's very comforting the theme song is probably my top theme song of any tv show uh, I mean, if we're talking about other people's podcasts, there's an episode where Dave Foley was just on uh, Doug Loves Movies. Oh, yeah. Uh, a couple, maybe like a month and a half ago or so, where he actually, like, because they bring a prize for the, because it's a game show, he brought prizes for the prize bag and actually just turned out to be a case of wrong, di- wrong guy DVDs <laughs> that, he, that he had in his garage. Like... <laughs> That's so funny. It almost feels like it's the kind of movie you're supposed to be renting from a video store. Like if you're gonna watch it, you gotta go find a store and find a and find a tape of it. Like it feels like a weird yeah. thing to watch off the internet. It's too uh, it's too analog. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's. I don't think I ever even heard of that movie until probably like five or ten years after it was out, and I'm just like, oh, that's a thing that happened. I've only seen it once, but I remember like pissing myself laughing at certain points. I feel like it's got like a bit of a mm. like ugh, Mel Brooks vibe in that you're like too okay. long and many of these jokes don't hit, but when it does, it really gets you. <laughs> I love also Mel Brooks movies. I love. Yeah. Uh, if, if you don't like most of the Mel Brooks movies, I don't trust anything you say. Yeah, good. That's a good. Like at least, you know, at least like the big trinity of like, producers blazing saddles space balls <laughs> i'll even go men in tights thank you i'm gonna say i'm a big men in tights fan um, that's one of my childhoods that's one of my fave <laughs> yeah that was, that was the one from my childhood too and then i you know dove back deeper to 
like and i producers probably isn't the best thing in 2019 anymore i feel there's a lot of comedy in there that probably just doesn't work to our sensibilities now but he won an oscar for it Uh, so how do you get to the point of going into the second city training center um, a friend of mine who is in university named Chris Levier, uh, he, yeah. he went to university with me. He was in that sked group, which by the way, it wasn't an audition. It was just invite only. So that's why I was so offended. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even, didn't even know about it. Uh, he was in that. Uh, and he, so he, when we, he moved to Toronto after he's from New Brunswick and I'm from Toronto. Um, and so we hung out after university and he was doing improv and, um, I, uh, I'd always been, uh, I'd done, the improv and done in high school had scared me off of it. I was always like, no, this is the most terrifying thing in the whole world. I hate it. Uh, I'm never going to do it again. Um, but I thought I needed to like get myself out of a rut. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do this thing. That's the most terrifying thing to me in the world. Uh, and so that's- uh, we need to pause here. Yeah. You mentioned improv in high school. Yeah. And, and middle school like- actually specific. In, oh, oh my gosh. Like, okay. Cause I talked to a bunch of Canadians last year and they all went through like, they were telling me that, that there was like competitive improv. Yeah. I've never did that. I've never even heard of that. High school. Okay. So you're not, you're not doing that. Oh, you're, that's, that's just part of your, I want to be a performer thing. Yeah. Yes. Okay. They, they were like, okay. they did CIG, which is like the Canadian improv games, which I'd never heard of, but is like humongous. Like so many high schools do it. Students do it. And so many comedians. Yeah. I, yeah it, it caught me completely off guard when they were mentioning it. Uh, I was like, is this just like an Edmonton thing or what's going on here? She's like, no, we went to Ottawa to win. Like, I was like, that's, that's weird to me. I, don't like, why but, I never heard about this thing. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Back to second city. Uh, oh yeah. So your friend, Chris. Chris Levier. Chris Levier is my, uh, my raison d'etre. <laughs> <laughs> uh, lovely man. Um, uh, yeah, that's why I did it. Cause I did it cause he was doing it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and because we'd go see, we'd go see the show at, uh, we'd go see the Imponderables, which were a sketch group in Toronto at the Rivoli. Um, so that's how I, that was probably like the first like live sketch I started seeing was them and when I think Last Sabbath was at the Rivoli in Toronto with Chris. Okay, and and the Rivoli that's like the famous venue that the kids in the hall start at, right? Did they start there? I didn't know that. Whoa. Or like Possibly. they did the the name of it sounds familiar enough, and I'm gonna immediately equate it to Kids in the Hall. Like, um, now, um, yeah. it's very possible. I could be wrong too. I don't know. It, you know, we've I'm okay with being wrong when I have. Believe to be. it or not, it's a pretty big city. And lots of people. Yeah, pretty popular. People like it here. <laughs> yeah, we substitute it for American cities on our movies because it's cheaper to film there. Oh, we know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We see ourselves in everything. Oh, you don't know. We 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 recognize our shit. Uh, no, it's the same thing because like uh, there's a couple of movies in the the early 2000s that were supposed to be set in Philadelphia, but it was clearly Toronto. Like, Ooh, which one? And I um one of the dumb Kevin the Smith movies. They did start the Rivoli. Okay, crazy. So I wasn't just making I'm that up. Angry. Awesome. Um, so you do improv there for about a year before you go into the sketch or at least start working on, on a sketch. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the next step after that conservatory for you? Um, mostly more improv. I didn't do that much. Stage. Okay. And then I did a, 
sketch show for a fringe. Um, but most which was it was called Tales of Woe. I'm trying to think, Laura Johnson was in it, and uh, Ken Hall directed it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you ever talked to Ken Hall. He's amazing. Uh, uh, yeah, it was great. We did it. It was successful. So I kept doing it. Uh, nice. And then I eventually got hired by Second City to be in the touring company. And then I went and did the main stage after that. And then. So there's a, a touring company in Toronto as well. That's based from Toronto as well. Yeah, it's a bit of a misnomer. We like never went anywhere. We went to McMilton, which is a small town in Ontario. Um. But you're still doing like, would it be like corporate shows at that point then? Or if you're saying you're not going anywhere. Yeah, we just do a show in Second City uh, in Toronto. The The touring company does a show every Monday and then uh, it's called The Best of the Second City. And then the rest of the days of the week, the main stage cast does it. Um, so you have one show a week. And if you're lucky, you get to go to Milton and do a Valentine's Day show. Okay. So, yeah. hmm. Uh, so that's what I did. So, but like doing the best of the second city, you're doing like the classic. Yeah, you do old second city stuff, and then you write some as well. You, you get to like write. You get to do a holiday mm. show every year, um, and then write a little bit throughout the year. But like mostly, you do the class Pictionary, <laughs> the classic second city sketches. Um, like, was it was it like classic stuff from the Toronto, or was there also like Chicago sketches? Okay. Yeah, because I think I saw the touring company like twice, and it was basically the same show like two different years, oh, and that really bummed me out. Like, it is as much as I know it is the best of, yeah, classic stuff. Like, I was still like, oh, yeah, man. It's- and this isn't as good without Carell and Colbert doing it. <laughs> like, I know that those two did this. Oh, I make a very. I know this is a Tina Fey, a Tina Fey sketch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Well, because part of the problem is that like so many. Like, because so much of it is, like, topical, it just doesn't yeah. age. And then also, or certain shows are, like, built to, because, like, you're going to have, there's some sketches that are just, like, clean and have a blackout at the end. And they're about some universal thing we always have. Like, like we all play Pictionary with our spouses or whatever. Um, but then other ones are, like, either they don't have blows because it's, like, their callbacks or they're tied into the show in a specific way or they're like for us they're about american stuff that doesn't apply to us or they're about a topical thing that's like past or they yeah. or like even like within two years like the what we what is a okay joke is you know changes fast <laughs> yes it does off color um yeah i try to go to chicago every couple years and like either as just some layover from some other travel or something. And I will go to their second city show. And it's like the second city process to me, at least from what I understand from the outside, like the, the whole idea of improving to write, which uh, I think is great, which has been really flipped on its head by the UCB group where they just improv to improv mm. where I, I feel like second city all, like drills in that this, this isn't the final product. Like, mm. Like and you can correct me if you're wrong since if since you've gone through it, but like you improv to get somewhere. Okay. Like you improv to sketch like to get to a sketch or I guess. Is there a sense of improv for improv's sake? 
with the second city training. I'm really curious how it is in Chicago. I've never been to Chicago. I got to go. But um, eh, I guess in Toronto, um, you, I guess you do your show and then afterwards there's a set. And when you're writing, you use the set to write you to like improvise on your premises. Um, mm-hmm. And then when you, but then once the show's written, you can kind of do whatever you want with the sets. And so I never felt when we mm-hmm. were doing those sets after that we were really, especially because we like, like the, the process is so intense that once we were like allowed to improvise for fun, um, that we, we really didn't try, <laughs> we didn't try to do anything that I think we could get stuff out of later. I think there was like always a period of time where we're like, no, oh, we're yeah. insane. Uh, we can do whatever we want. Uh, then then maybe I saw one of those like, oh, now we're insane moments because I, one of the shows in Chicago I definitely saw, they were like, we are working on these characters. So we're just going to like play around in these characters for a little while after like that was their improv set afterwards. Like, were they, you mean, were they like characters from the show you just seen or like? No, okay. no, they, they, they were working on like completely different things. And I just remember the one dude lasted entirely too long in this thing, and it just wasn't working for me at all. Like, like he played, he so he played, so they played the same characters through the whole set. Yeah, like they each did like a little character piece. Okay, okay, that sounds yeah. like that sounds like right, like the writing process. Yeah, Ooh. right, and that's what, like, um, because even I mean, and in my full comedy nerddom, I remember there was an interview where Tina Fey said that when she went to Saturday Night Live the first time, like to their first week, she expected a group of people to hang out and improv together to get stuff written instead of just like everyone just retreating to their offices. Yeah. Yeah. And she had to like adjust to that. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think my, my dream would be like somewhere in the middle. Like, cause there is a certain point for me, like when you're like improvising a sketch over and over that you're like, okay, I'm just going to fucking write it down now. (laughs) I think I know how, Mm -hmm. I know how it goes, but um, but also I like, like the, the, I like improv, improv as like a generating technique. There's also the thing though, that like your audience is going to partly determine it, it's tricky when you write from, um, improv sometimes in that, um, the things that stay in are usually the things that get laughs. And, um, part of that can be tricky because in Toronto, our audience, um, I don't know what it's like in Chicago. People say like, people have told me that like people, everyday Chicago people go and see shows all the time. In Toronto, our audience is like, it's we're in the theater district. So it's kind of like the big Mervis shows. Like you're going to have like Come From Away, like Beauty and the Beast kind of thing. And mm-hmm. then, or they'll go see Second City. So it's like, ugh, it's an expensive ticket. And people are usually coming in from some, often coming in from somewhere. So like, those are the people who are going to laugh and therefore in a way shape the scene. Um, so if you want to do something that like challenges, challenges people, well, I sound like a dick, but you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Then you, you want to have to have a director that like also is like, yeah, yeah, it's a cool, it's cool. Did that didn't get a laugh, but that's like, we still want to go in that direction or, um, uh, or, yeah, you just be like aware of it. And the other thing we've noticed is that like, as, or as a woman, um, uh, Kirsten, Rasmussen, who is my comedy duo partner, um, who's at Second City with me, had pointed out that like women laugh more quietly. So when you're writing um, a scene and you're keeping keeping beats in or jokes in based on the response, it can be hard to it can be hard to write something um, 
that is specifically for women because they laugh more quietly than men do sometimes. Uh, I've never considered that as a as a pitfall for writing. It's yeah, it's like it's uh it's something you like when you're fighting for something. <laughs> uh that's a thing you can notice is because they'll be like, well, it didn't get a huge response, but you're like, I think women liked it. I think they did, but they're just not as loud. I think. Um, but also sometimes maybe sometimes they're wrong. If you liked it. Yeah. <laughs> now, now I'm like every show I go to, that's going to be like in my head of like listening for the female laughter versus male laughter. Yeah. It's something you're thinking now, about, but now you've got me. Hey. Now it's going to be just stuck in my head. <laughs> Uh, so you mentioned your partner in uh, the Bloody Marys. Yeah. Uh, so tell me about the Bloody Marys. Where where do you guys get together? Oh, we started as an improv thing because we were me and Kirsten or Kirsten, <laughs> Kirsten and I um, did all our main stage shows together at Second City. We did three shows together, and then we okay. were at Montreal Improv Fest. Incidentally, I was there just like performing in some group show. Um, just as a guest. I mostly was like, I want to go to Montreal. And uh, Vinny, uh, who part- helps run it, was like, yeah, sure, come. Uh, and then Kirsten was there, I think, for a similar reason. And people dropped out at the last minute because someone's cat got sick. Uh, and so we filled a slot. And then we were like, oh, yeah. We have so much shared knowledge and understanding of the way we perform together that it makes so much sense to do this duo. Like, you forget that when you spend every friggin' day with someone for a year and a half, you're going to be like, oh, I can read your mind. <laughs> so it never occurred to you prior to this to work together as a duo? No. I mean, like, it was pretty close after Second City. I think after Second City, we were all like, don't look at me. I can't see you. Sure. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, so this is our first, like, it was like a couple months after, like three months after, four months after. Um, so, that, so then after we did that one show, we were like, oh, this is the thing. Let's do this again. Um, and then we wrote a sketch show last summer, and then we're doing another one for Sketchfest. So, uh, tell me about Bloody Marys. Like, do you have? Would you consider yourself like that? You have a specific voice, a specific viewpoint. Like, is there a a, a voice to a Bloody Mary show? Yeah, for sure. I think. Um, how do we describe it in our blurbs? <laughs> it tends to be uh, very pretty emotional. Uh, high energy, quite dark. We usually kill each other and fall in love a lot in our in our set. A lot of love <laughs> and a lot of murder. Um, and yeah, that's I think that's kind of our vibe. Kind of like <laughs> I was gonna say a bloody Valentine, and I was like, like the band Lee? What are you talking about? Like, yeah, like a, <laughs> like a like a heart, but like a real human heart that's bloody and beating in your hand. That's like that's what it's like. Uh, I mean, there's plenty of dark comedy here in Philadelphia, so it would do just as well here, I'm sure. We'll come! Um, (laughs) um, With, uh, you had mentioned teaching that you teach now at, I I presume, at Second City. Just can't leave. Um, It's perfectly fine. Like, Mm -hmm. um, I'm always curious when I talk to people that do that do teach comedy because I always want to hear the horror stories. <laughs> what what? Okay, first off, what do you teach? Like, do you like at Second City? What is your like 
what classes are you involved I've with? Taught, weirdly, I've only taught two levels, or, or I guess three levels. Okay. And they're like opposite ends of the spectrum. I've taught level A, like the very first people who've never done improv before, which is my favorite. And then I teach, I've taught conservatory one and two, which you like audition to get into. And at the end of the process, you write a sketch show in the second city okay. format. Um, so I teach people just beginning and then people who've done it for a while, but it's their first step in this program is mostly what I've done. Do you have level A horror stories of like some person coming in and just totally, uh, and like it's like on, on an improv thing, I think it's definitely a different thing than going through a sketch class where someone just brings in this like absolutely awful racist sketch. <laughs> but like, do you have the people that don't totally understand what improv is supposed to be doing and ruin everything? I, I feel like I've been pretty lucky. I'm trying to think. I, I did have one person that was like a cartoon of everything you're not supposed to say, like uh, that you shouldn't say because people don't like it. Like he'd like tell women to smile and like, <laughs> and always refer to people by their appearance. Uh, like, hey, big guy. Hey, <laughs> tiny dude. Like <laughs> everything. <laughs> like every class you'd come in with a new one when you're like, where are you from? Like, what? how did this happen? Uh, where you'd have to be like, okay, well, let's not. Uh, so I had a guy like that, uh, that was kind of exhausting. Um, Ooh, and, and he at least to rag on the other lady teachers to me. And I was like, I, I don't know what you want. Um, like, at least you're a cool lady. Not like those ladies. And I was like, I feel like this is a bad thing for me about me. <laughs> I don't want to be a cool lady. <laughs> Um, and da, 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 da. I think that's it. It's a, people who are like refuse notes. You're like, no, no. I think they're like, I think I know what's funny. But I wish I could. so. Just no absolute horror stories yeah. of racism and like, Ooh. darn. No, exactly. I love those stories from sketch teachers. Yeah, do, do you have any good ones? Can I hear one? <laughs> uh, well, I I did sketch 101 a couple years ago here in Philadelphia at the Philly Improv Theater, and like this one woman wrote a sketch and she, she was an older woman. Um, I don't know how she got, how she discovered the improv theater or doing sketch comedy or whatever. And I never saw her again after the class, but she wrote this one sketch where, uh, Oh, which order was it? Was it, it was about a kid who was, I'm going to say it was first that he was mentally disabled. Okay. But he was the punchline of every joke. Oh, no. And then the instructor was, was like, okay, this this is a problem. Like, this isn't like this isn't funny. This isn't okay. So the last class was you had to rewrite something. So that was the sketch that she wrote, rewrote, and she just turned it into a foreigner. Oh, oh, oh shit. And somehow that was the one that got picked by the class, like, they're like just how we were sitting in the same circle around the table. Uh, we read hers and he had brought and the, the teacher brings in other teachers and stuff to, you know, give extra advice and stuff. And it was just as bad. Like instead of being, you know, anti-disability, it became anti-foreigner. And it was just, it was just awkward and awful. And because of where I was sitting at my, in the table, I, my stuff didn't get read that day. And I was just like, you know, seething inside, like, 
I actually want to do this and be good at this. And I have to waste my time listening to this. Like, we all this isn't helpful. Like, I was just so bummed. Like, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, that sketch is one of my, like, uh, I had a file on my computer at one point of like things not to do of ideas that I've heard about other people. And that was very high on that list. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, um, are you still a member of the touring company at Second City, or yeah, you gotta do it? You know. or, or, you, you completely age out when you get to the mainstream reviews, yeah. the main stage the reviews. Touring company is like the best. It doesn't feel like the best gig when you're doing it, but like in retrospect, if I can do it now, and now they actually tour sometimes. Ugh, so unfair. Um, <laughs> but now I do it. Sure, one show a week. Travel sometimes. Hell yeah. That's great. <laughs> Do the classics. Do a little improv at the end. Improv at the end. I could do Pictionary in my fucking sleep, man. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Which which one is Pictionary? Who like? I don't know if I've ever seen it. It's uh, it's outdated. It's outdated in that like the women are annoying and the men are like the women are annoying. Um, Okay, sure. (laughs) I bizarrely have a great time doing it um i do it in a weird new york accent and the directors say i'm not allowed to because no one else has one but i do it anyways and uh, <laughs> it's like there it's like two couples playing pictionary and the joke is that like the men are like we're gonna be great at this we're gonna be great at this uh and the women are able to like their sisters and i think they can almost like communicate telepathically she like puts a dot on the board and she's like bread or something okay like that. yeah they have that like twin brain kind of thing yes. where, and the men are drawing. Well, they're not they're twins, like, but yeah, guessing and then getting angrier and angrier at each other and like blowing up. Um, and I'm like, okay, yeah. calm down. Let's just have a nice time. That kind of thing. So, and you mentioned like doing an accent when you do that sketch. Like, is there a sense of freedom to play within the classic sketches when you do it? Um, there is like this like weird challenge where they're like, make it your own, but make it the same. Um, part of the training is being able to like take someone else's thing and try to make it work in the scene and if it works to be just like them and that's fun for you then cool um but often it doesn't quite so finding the way to like make those jokes work for you with your body and Mm -hmm. your voice or whatever and that seemed like people i don't remember how the response to pictionary is um but but uh I think I just fucked around because we did it for so long. Um, sure. Uh, we talked a little bit about Bloody Marys. I believe you're also directing another show at Sketchfest this year. Oh, yeah. Fuck, yeah. I should have that too. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I directed a show uh, for the Fringe last year called Generally Hospital. Uh, and okay. it's like a sketch fest. Nope, sorry. Sketch show uh, that um, all the sketches, like, take place in the like healthcare and hospital world. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and it talks a lot about uh, like ability um, and just like the medical profession and perceptions within, I should really think of a way to talk about this in a clear, concise way. Uh, like um, perceptions of like illness. Um, but the whole mm-hmm. song about herpes, I learned a ton about it. I feel like I learned something new about herpes every day now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Got to end that stigma, man. Um, but uh, yeah, it's very, very, very funny, and I'm really proud of it. And it won, um, it won an award. It won the 
won an award at the Fringe. I can't remember which one it was. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's really great. And I highly, highly recommend it for people coming to Sketchfest going to see it. They're like very, very, very funny, lovely people who are going to be in it. And very cute. I'm quite proud. <laughs> um, yeah. Go, yeah, go see go see that. And also go see me and Kirsten. And also Kirsten has a solo show. I don't know what it's called. Go see that. Too. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Um, I ask everybody these questions because I'm always curious. Uh, and you teach, so we definitely don't have to go fully into your like lesson plans of this. But like, what is something that you, some piece of knowledge, some piece of wisdom that you've gained over their time doing comedy? What's something that you would pass on to a new comedy writer? Uh, I guess for people who are like me, <laughs> um, I'd say... Uh, have fun first like find a way find what is fun for you in it I guess that's pretty broad but um do the thing that seems like the most fun especially like an improv find the thing that seems like the most fun and and do that because it probably will if you're having fun it probably will be fun for other people that's why (laughs) yeah okay and uh you mentioned you know wanting to be an actor wanting to be a performer and then like you know pretty much pivoting to comedy mm. uh, by itself. Why comedy? Why is comedy how you make your living, spend your time? Um, all that stuff. Like, Yeah. Uh, I guess um, I still do acting things, but comedy is like the thing that I realized comedy is the thing thing that like feels like it has the most energy behind it like because you can make people feel sad in comedy and you can make them feel uncomfortable I like I like the idea of making people feel things and also comedy is like when you do it you have like more control about like if you're doing comedy probably you're writing it for yourself um and you can make it whatever you want like there's so much more control it's like the thing that like if you're acting there's like somebody else in control of some part of it and if you're doing like solo comedy or something or like improv you have you can you know define what you want to do more mm. I, think, I think that's why i choose it and also jokes are fun <laughs> <laughs> love to laugh <laughs> Lol. yeah it's i always think of that thing where like it there's one sense of uh of how rewarding it could be to like do a role well like on stage or on screen or whatever but when it's your role from beginning to end something that you've written directed like it's a whole different level yeah it's so it's so much more satisfying it's like deep bone satisfying to be like yeah i wrote this thing maybe i tried it once it didn't quite work i wrote it again and i did it and you're like yes and you feel i don't know i feel like it is like the most satisfying thing it's like like the biggest connection um like when people talk about like acting and having that like connection with like the audience or like being connected to your emotions like it's like the biggest connection to anything else it's like the most lightning thing is being like yeah it worked (laughs) yeah and not to mention like the immediacy of laughter like you know in the moment when something's working when you're doing comedy or like when you feel like in that moment before the like release like when you can feel people being like tense like that is so sad. <laughs> <laughs> love, I love like improv, and I love going into an audience. Like I love, I love it. 
Love making them feel bad. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks, Lee. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This has been fun. If you're heading to Toronto Sketchfest, and I think you should, you can see Lee as the Bloody Marys perform on March 7th and March 16th. And Generally Hospital, which she directs, will be performed March 7th through the 9th. Tickets and all other information can be found at torontosketchfest.com. My first sketch is a Philly Sketchfest production. Follow Philly Sketchfest on Instagram at Philly Sketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like my first sketch on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy. <laughs>